The Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Glory Once more, Jesus spoke to them in parables, saying, The dominion of heaven may be compared to a king who gave a wedding banquet for his son. He sent his slaves to call those who had been invited to the wedding banquet, but they would not come. Again, he sent other slaves, saying, Tell those who have been invited, Look, I have prepared my dinner. My oxen and my fat calves have been slaughtered, and everything is ready. Come to the wedding banquet. But they made light of it and went away, one to his farm, another to his business, while the rest seized his slaves, mistreated them, and killed them. The king was enraged. He sent his troops, destroyed those murderers, and burned their city. Then he said to his slaves, The wedding is ready, but those invited were not worthy. Go therefore into the main streets and invite everyone you find to the wedding banquet. Those slaves went out into the streets and gathered all whom they found, both good and bad. So the wedding hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to see the guests, he noticed a man there who was not wearing a wedding robe. And he said to him, Friend, how did you get in here without a wedding robe? And he was speechless. Then the king said to the attendants, Bind him hand and foot and throw him into the outer darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are called, but few are chosen. The Gospel of the Lord. You may be seated. Today we're hearing the third of three parables that Jesus told. The context of these parables is what helps us make sense of them. Jesus is telling these parables to the elite of Jerusalem on the heels of the disruption Jesus caused in the temple. These three parables are told by Jesus as a response to the question they had for him. Who gives you the authority to do and say this stuff? His first parable was about two sons whose words and actions did not align, but it was the one who acted faithfully that did the will of the father. His second parable was about a vineyard owner and the violent action of the tenants toward the servants trying to collect the harvest. At this point, Jesus has verbally bested and put the elite religious leaders in their place, and they want to arrest him for it. But Jesus wasn't done. And to make sure that they heard him loud and clear, he launches into parable number three. Now, I'm going to tell you something that kind of breaks the fourth wall, so to speak. This sermon is going to skip over the ending of this parable, verses 11 to 14. The part about the guy not wearing the wedding robe and getting thrown out of the party. There's a reason why I'm skipping over it. I don't think Jesus said that. I know. Check the pulse of your neighbor. (laughs) It's very shocking to hear a pastor say that. But yes, there are words in the Bible that I don't think Jesus actually said. And it's probably more common than we realize. The gospel authors often put words in Jesus's mouth to reinterpret Jesus to their own audiences. And here's the reason why I don't think Jesus said that. This exact same parable 
shows up in the gospel according to Luke. And it's pretty much identical, except for the last four verses. They're not in Luke. And any good study Bible will include a note here that says these four verses are in addition to this parable from the author. This little tag ending gets added in Matthew because of what was happening inside the community of believers that the author was writing to. And that is good and worth reflecting on, but that will have to be another sermon for another day. Back to the parable, which is about a king throwing a wedding banquet. What's fascinating is that this parable is also a remix of an older parable, something that Jesus did in last week's gospel as well. Last week's parable about the vineyard and the tenants was a remix of Isaiah 5, which was written 700 years before Jesus. This week's parable is also a remix. This time it's Isaiah 25, which is why you heard it as the first reading today. Listen to it again. On this mountain, the Lord of hosts will make for all peoples a feast of rich food, a feast of well-aged wines, of rich food filled with marrow, of well-aged wine strained clear. Isaiah's description is of what's called the Messianic Banquet. It was a hopeful imagining of what would happen one day off in the future. This was going to be a feast like none other. Rich food filled with the most sumptuous dishes and well-aged fine wine. For people who were subsistence farmers, a meal like this was unheard of. It was food fit for kings. Yet Isaiah proclaimed that the Lord was making this feast for all peoples. No longer was a feast like this going to be restricted to the wealthy elite. It was going to be offered to everyone, including the poor. And it's from this idea of a messianic banquet which originates hundreds of years before that Jesus weaves his own story. The dominion of heaven may be compared to a king who gave a wedding banquet for his son. Similar to last week's servants who tried to collect the produce from the tenants, the servants this week try to bring the guests into the banquet. But they made light of it. And went away, one to his farm, another to his business, while the rest seized his slaves, mistreated them, and killed them. Making light of the banquet is putting it nicely. The invitees are grossly insulting the host. They're making up excuses for why they can't attend, attempting to derail the party entirely. And similar to last week, they go as far as to kill the servants who symbolize the prophetic voices who speak out against injustice. The king does retaliate. And we have to be careful here, otherwise we can make God into a monster who repays evil with evil. 
but perhaps this is some kind of justice. Back in Isaiah's day, he said, For you have made the city a heap, the fortified city a ruin. The palace of aliens is a city no more. It will never be rebuilt. And Isaiah was proven right. Because not long after, the Assyrian superpower would eventually destroy the northern kingdom of Israel, leaving it in ruins. Fast forward to the time of the Gospel of Matthew's writing, the scenario plays out again in a similar fashion, except it was the Roman Empire destroying the temple in Jerusalem, making it a heap, never to be rebuilt. But even after the attempted sabotage of the banquet, the party must go on. The servants are sent out again, but this time they skip over the original invitees. They skip to someone else. They skip over the elite. Instead, they go to the streets, to the outsiders, to the strangers, the social outcasts, the marginalized, the poor. And the grace of this story is that the wedding hall was filled with guests, both the good and the bad. It says that. In other words, the labels that we use to morally classify people as worthy and unworthy did not matter to the king. God's intention has always been to celebrate with all people at the wedding banquet. A wedding that rejoices in the union of God and humanity, no longer separated by fears or false notions, misconceptions. God is making a place for everyone. That includes you. But it also includes all those people out in the world, both the good and the bad. There is room for everyone here at this table. We eat the bread and we drink the cup every week as a reminder of that banquet. This table is a foretaste of the feast to come when all will feast together. Amen.